Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. To say we're going to use, we're going to go through one of the practices that we've been doing over the last six months. Um, we keep just kind of really emphasizing that this is something tools in your tool belt to encourage you and also equip you to live a life more like Jesus. So they're just simple that you don't have to wait till Sundays to do them. You can do them as you go through your day-to-day life. So what we're going to do, we're just going to read and we're going to reflect um, on the passage that Dave is going to share with us um, tonight. So it's going to be on the screen. So you all have a wee piece of paper with you on your seat. So it just encourages, if you want, if you have a pen, to kind of scribble on it. Um, and if you brought your journal, just to kind of write down what you feel, God. Or if you want, you can take your phone out and put it in your notes. As long as you put your phone away and don't go on any social media after. Right. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray first. We're just going to read through um, Matthew 7, 15 to 23. Father, we just thank you for... Um, these words are about to read, just even pray that the Spirit just comes and brings these to life. And I just pray that you just really speak to us through these words. May something jump out of us, jump out of the text to us for what we need in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I read this, um, just really be listening in to what the Spirit is saying. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, or grapes gather from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, one that, de- one that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Just spend a few minutes just reflecting on that and maybe one or two words either in your spirit or through the text that just um, means something to you at the moment. Okay, we're just going to read it again. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, one, one that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So now just reflect on those verses. And again, it could be the same thing. It could be that God's revealing a wee bit more to that. But just spend a minute or so just reflecting and asking the Spirit to reveal stuff through the text. And just to end with, um, Dave will do this at the end of his um, talk as well. It's kind of the two questions that we ask ourselves um, in this church. Most times we meet and read, it's like, what is God saying to you? Is there something through these verses that God's really challenging you about? Maybe you have to do something. But for me, the most important question of that is, what are you going to do about it? So are you practically going to do something? from what God and the Spirit has revealed. Just going to pray for Dave as he leads us the next part. Father God, we just thank you for this man. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit just falls afresh on him now. May this just be easy. And may what he has to say just penetrate our souls and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Grant. Evening, everyone. Uh, good to see so many people out. Thanks to everyone who got up off their sunbed uh, to come out to church tonight. I know it was probably a hard task, um, but well done for, for coming out. Um, these these well-known words that um, we've just read and just reflected on, um, you, you've probably heard this passage of Scripture before. Um, this, to some, could be one of the most daunting passages of scripture. Um, it can be one of the most confusing passages of scripture. Uh, one of those passages of scripture that many people just want to avoid, particularly teaching on, so I'm looking forward to it tonight. Um, let, let me just pray for William again, can we? Father, thank you. Um, thank you, Jesus, that this is your heart's desire, even as we look at this tonight, God, that we will experience kingdom of heaven. And God, I just pray, Lord, that there is a fullness, God, of, of an experience for William, not just tonight, God, but every day of his life. Thank you your kingdom is present with him and for him. Thank you that it's to him, God, that you extend the invitation to be part of it, and to all of us. But Jesus, I just thank you, God, that uh, this is a son in whom you're so well pleased. And God, I just pray your, your love and your blessing fully upon him tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Is that all right? You're looking at me. Who, are you? Who am I? I don't know, William. That's a, that's a tough question. God bless you. Is that all right? All right. So yeah, as I said, this 
This can be, uh, this is one of the most well-known passages of scripture. It can be a daunting passage as well. Um, but tonight, I just would really love us just to try and engage with it. One of the things that's really crucial when it comes to, again, tough passages like this, um, it's so important that you don't just try to sidestep it. You don't just read it as an isolated passage. It's so important that we read it in the context of where this passage is written and where it's coming. Remember, this is all part of this teaching series that we have been looking at. It's part of 166 on the Sermon on the Mount. And as part of the Sermon on the Mount, would have just prayed for William, Jesus' whole teaching, and part of this was all around the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Jesus was desperate for every believer, for every disciple. Actually, remember at the start of this that Jesus brought, there was a crowd that followed him that went up the mountain. Some of them were disciples, some were followers. Some people were not in that place just yet. There were some people that were there to, to ridicule. The Pharisees were there to pick holes. But to all of them, Jesus was desperate that there could be an engagement with the kingdom of heaven. And so his whole teaching was around us. And the last time what we looked at was, the last time I was here, we said that actually when you get to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus actually finishes his teaching on the kingdom of heaven. The whole Sermon on the Mount has been around this topic. Uh, and he gets to the end of it. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says, actually, there's a summary about this. He said it at the very start in Matthew chapter 5. He said, he hasn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but he's come to fulfill it. And at the very end of Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says the same again. He references the law and the prophets. But he summarizes it all by saying it's all to do with this one word, and it was love. He said that we are called to be a people that love God with all of our hearts, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors we love ourselves. Grant just read part of that to us. Tonight we're going to be finishing by looking at it, so actually it's quite prophetic what Josiah said today for, for where we're going with this. Tonight this is the main thrust of what we're saying with this. Jesus has called us to love, but what actually happened was that after the, the end of Matthew 7, verse 12, the sermon hasn't finished. Jesus is still up the mountain, but what he starts to almost speak are, are words of exhortation where there's... There, there, there's a desperation in Jesus that while he's, he's fully unpacked, right, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like he doesn't want anyone to miss out on this. He wants to make it clear. And so what I looked at last time was this. Jesus says, right, while that's the kingdom, here's the thing you need to be aware of. There are two roads. There are two paths. One of them is a path of life in which you will get to experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And the other one is the path of destruction, he called it. He said that's the path of life. It's a hard road, it seems at time. Actually, the gate, as you look at it, he says it's narrow. It feels narrow in comparison to how you enter the wide way. The wide way is obviously what, what most people are, are doing. It seems easier to just go with the flow. The way of the path of life, it seems hard. You see the path in the picture of this. It feels like a cost. And Jesus said these words. He was the gate. He was the one by which we could enter. We could enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's the way that we go in. But it's not just about entering through the gate in this picture. But it's about pressing on. It's pressing on to the journey. It's engaging with every part of the kingdom of heaven. And here's what Jesus says. This road that we have to walk on as a disciple of Jesus, there's a cost to it. While we say grace is free, it actually costs us everything. It costs us our lives to say, Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus says these words in Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever will save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's like we give up the right to hold on to anything or to claim anything for ourselves, but it's Jesus we want to follow you. I I used this quote the last time. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. It's almost like we can cheapen, we can lessen what this is all about. And this is why we just finished with this the last time. And this is what Paul says. For this very reason, this is what it means we die daily. We die to ourselves. We say, Jesus, would you help us to follow you? But yet, here's the truth. When we die to ourselves, we, we come more alive than we could ever possibly imagine. When you die to yourself, you come more alive than you could ever imagine. I, I, used, I used to be, uh, and I see some of my old pupils here tonight, I used to be a biology teacher uh, in Jamore High School, and so this is probably one of the diagrams, the geeky diagrams that I would have put up on my board. Right? And that Paul actually referenced this, this analogy in, in Romans and a few other places. He talks about a seed, and he talks about how as the seed dies and it grows into something mature. What actually happens, and this is with the seed, while the seed is not as if it dies, disintegrates, decomposes, and is done away with, but it's actually that it's, it's changing from one form into another, while the seed, the form of the seed, it's almost like that metamorphosis of a caterpillar and the butterfly. There's no going back. There, there, there's, there's a death to one thing and a stepping into another, and you see it grow into the mature plant. You see the caterpillar grow into a butterfly. There's a no going back. This is what it actually means to step into this path. There's a no going back. We're dying to self. We're growing, and we want to grow fully and maturely into all that Christ has for us, and this is the picture that Paul uses for it. And so Jesus wants us to grow. Well, he wants us to come onto the path. He wants us to experience the kingdom. And he wants us all to grow. He wants us all to be mature. And tonight, this is very brief. With this passage, just two words that I really just want to pull out. Um, Two words that I just want to leave us with. That we really love us to be thinking about, not just tonight, but even this week and as the weeks go on. But two things that Jesus, again, because of his hunger, his hunger for you, you personally, to experience the kingdom of heaven in its fullest way possible. Jesus was almost given a warning in these verses. And so here's the first thing that he warns us about. And he says this, he tells us to be careful of deceivers. Deceivers. So Grant read this, let's read this bit again. It says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, or grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus is saying this firstly. Listen, he's saying this to all the disciples who are listening to him up the mountain, but this is what he's saying to us even in our current context today. He wants you to be watching out, and he says firstly to this, he says, be aware of false prophets. He wants to protect us. He wants to protect you. His heart, again, is that he wants you to grow fully and maturely. And so if, if, I, if I was to summarize what Jesus is pretty much saying in this, If I was to put it into my own words, this is what I would tell you to be really, really careful that you do. This is what it means to to live wisely, 
right? And this is the first thing that Jesus would say. This is in the Lurgan saying, be careful who you give your ear to. Be careful who you give your ear to. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. Be careful who you give your ear to. Prophets, obviously around Jesus' time uh, and Jesus' culture, um, there, were, there were many figures like the priests, the prophets, the kings, the sayers, but prophets were the people who spoke on behalf of God to the people. And Jesus was saying, take care, because here's what will happen. There will be many people, sometimes with really good intentions, who will come to you and will say, well, th- this way or that way, that's the best thing that you could do for you to be able to follow after God. There are people who will come to you and will say, well, here's a word of prophecy for you, and will speak something to you. What I would say to you tonight this is what Jesus is trying to say. Now, the first thing I would say is don't be skeptical, right? Don't rule out everything that everyone says. But Jesus is saying this. So again, in my own words, don't believe every voice you hear. Don't believe every book you read. And don't believe every web page that you look up on Google. On the internet, it can be the easiest thing. I wonder what the Bible says about that. And so we Google, what does the Bible say on such and such? And there's some amazing things out there, but there is some garbage out there as well. Don't believe every voice you hear, every book you read, every web page you look up in Google. Be selective, be discerning in who you give your ear to. That, that, that all sounds well and good. And I'm sure even for, for the disciples up the mountain, they were saying, well, Jesus, that all sounds good. But how on earth can you discern that? Because there are some people who have a lot of head knowledge. And we'll be able to speak some things maybe you don't know, you've never heard of in the Bible before. And it all sounds great because it all sounds something new to you. But Jesus actually makes it clear to us. And he says, this is the way to be able to discern. And he says this in verse 20. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Some people can say all the right words and come across as speaking the word of God. But inwardly, their lives, their hearts aren't given fully to God. This is what happens. Many people can have a level of a head knowledge, like they've got it all up here. They understand some things about it, but their hearts haven't been fully transformed by God and they're not demonstrating the fruit. Jesus says this is how you recognize them is by their fruit. But what does it actually mean when it talks about fruit? And Jesus says it in this passage as well. Five times he says this word bears. So he says this, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. This word bears. And what we say is that this word bear comes from a Greek word, which is this word, pio. It means bear, but in its most basic form, it means this, to do. Someone who bears fruit, as Grant has led us in tonight already, is someone who is not just filled with head knowledge, but someone who's actually doing something about it. This is an essence of what Jesus actually says it means. To bear fruit means to do God's will. To do God's will. If you want to bear fruit for the kingdom of heaven, this is what it means each and every day of our lives. It's doing God's will. There are many people, this is why Jesus says, be careful. There are many people who can say all the right things, but in their very heart, they just don't want to step in to be obedient and to live the life that God has for them. That's why at the end of each of the nights, we're going to be doing it again. The two questions as Grant reference is this, what's God sending me? Pretty much what we're asking is this, God, what's your will for me? God, what is your will in this area? As you sit with the scriptures and you sense God speaking to you then daily, this is what you're asking. God, what is your will for me? 
What are you leading me to do? And then the second question, what we're saying, what am I going to do about it? We're pretty much saying this, how can I do your will? How can I bear your fruit in my life in this area? How can I bear the fruit of the kingdom? Because I want to be someone that is living my life, demonstrating the fruit of all that God says. And here's the thing, here's the reason why it is really, it's difficult. And I recognize this, in, in our culture today, we, we, we are living in a period of history where society has such a massive influence. Our society and our culture has massively changed over the decades. Some of our, our cultural commentators of today, the they say that the church is actually living in a period and a time that's known as this, post-Christianity. In a period of Christendom, obviously, Christianity has been around since the time of the beginning of the church in Acts 2. But around the Middle Age, in a period of Christendom, where it just like the whole state and everything was all focused around the church, and pretty much everyone in culture was all Christian, and everyone was following the ways of, of God or claiming to, what has happened is that our society is so far removed. We've got such a secular society now. And what happens is that Christendom is no longer the main driving force. And so what we have is a period is called post-Christianity. But Mark says this, says this quote, and I love it. Post-Christianity doesn't completely reject Christianity. It simply tries to achieve its fruits without God. Post-Christianity doesn't completely reject Christianity. It simply tries to achieve its fruits without God. And this is what could so easily happen. It can happen in the life of a church. This is why we need to be careful and be discerning. But we could so easily get caught up and that we can just learn the ways of just doing the things that we know is right to do as a Christian. We can do it without God. Sometimes you could so easily go through the motions where you could do church without God. You could turn up and if you get someone that's a charismatic enough speaker, a gifted communicator, they could get up and say something that could sound flamboyant. You could get people that could be the best musicians and get them up to play some songs and that could technically be good worship. But if it's separated from God, there's no fruit. This is why we cannot be a people that try to achieve the fruits without God. Jesus says these words in John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we abide in Jesus, we do as well. We bear his fruit daily as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. What does it say in Galatians 5? We develop the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. This is what it is. It's the first thing Jesus is saying. Here's the kingdom of heaven. This is what it's like. He said, be careful. People can well lead you. Again, don't be, don't be skeptical of every word, but test it. Check the life of the people that you're giving your ear to. See if you see the fruit of the kingdom. But Jesus just doesn't stop there. He just doesn't talk about deceivers. And then for five more minutes, let's just look at this. Jesus says, be careful that you yourself are not deceived. Don't be deceived by people, but don't deceive yourself. Jesus would say this to you, don't deceive yourself as a Christian. Don't deceive yourself into thinking, particularly again in reference with what our society and what some people in church today would say what it means to be a Christian. Don't be deceived. Don't allow yourself to be deceived because Jesus wants us all fully to go after him. This is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus says, don't be deceived. So this, but not everyone he says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. People, people read this and they absolutely freak out. And, and they think to themselves, well, what on earth does that mean? You read, you read something like this, and particularly when we come to the next bit, where it says, uh, we come on to it here, and he says, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? When you, when you hear people saying things like that, you hope that you're saved, don't you? If you're casting out demons in his name, performing miracles in his name, doing mighty works in his name. Do you know, one of the things, I just want to, I mentioned this in church a few weeks ago on Sunday morning. I think one of the things we need to be clear on is this. Jesus, this is, this is where it can sometimes be where we, get, we become deceived by how people would lead us into thinking what it's all about. But one of the things that has happened over the last number of years, particularly in the Western church, is that we've reduced evangelism and we've reduced the call of Jesus upon our lives to simply saying what's known as a sinner's prayer. A prayer that you do not read in the Bible. And what we say in the Western church is if we can get people to say a prayer or a magic formula, that's it all sorted and then just get them out the door. And that's another one for the, for the, for the, the books that we have, the record books. There's another one saved. It cannot be about that. Yes, we read this in Romans 10. Paul says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is where it is. There's a belief in this. But what we've done in the church is that we've reduced it to this. We'll say, if you want to avoid burning in hell when you die, then pray this prayer. After me, we get people to repeat some words. People pray a prayer. We tick a box, and then they just get on with their lives. But to believe in this, that Jesus is Lord, means that we believe he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. We have an understanding of this is what he's calling us to. We lay it down our lives. We're repenting of our sins. I think the book of Deuteronomy actually says this. Repentance is much more than just simply saying a prayer. Repentance is this. It says, he who confesses his sins and forsakes it, he is the one that will receive mercy. It's actually we confess our sin and we forsake it. We turn away from it. This is what repentance is. We're thinking differently. We're going after something different. And this is why Jesus never told us to simply say a prayer, but he said the words, follow me. Come and live after me, because this is what it means that Jesus is Lord. Don't be deceived. It's much more than just simply saying a prayer. It's great if you have said a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. But Jesus is saying, every single day of your life, follow me. Come after me. Learn my ways. Take them upon you. Jesus calls us to come after him. And Jesus says, on that day, some people will be deceived. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I, I taught in this a couple of years ago. I just wanted to say this but before, again, just before I move on, just to the final part. If you know what could so easily happen, and I think this is what's happened in this passage, in this reference. Someone is standing before Jesus. And as they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus is, is judging, you know, whether, whether they're going to be in heaven, whether they're going to be in hell. They're saying this, they're saying, Lord, Lord, did, did, we, did we not prophesy in your name? God, did, did, did we not, that, that, that group, that church that I was part of, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did, did we not do mighty works in your name? There's no personal engagement with us. Sometimes it's so easy to come. This, this is where our culture has led us to. This is the 
how we can so easily be deceived. We think it's saying a prayer and coming to church on a Sunday. You tick the two boxes and that's it. Did we not, did we not, like any time when we were here, God, did we not raise our hands at the right time? God, did we not do this and that at the right, God, we did all the right things. And what Jesus actually says, while someone's like hiding behind other people who are, are doing the right things, Jesus says, well, I never knew you. I never knew you. I'm not focused on the way, I'm focused on you. What about you? What's happening in your life? Take responsibility for you. Don't hide behind other people. Don't be thinking you've got to put on a show like other people to be seen by other people. Jesus is just looking at you. What's happening in your life? Jesus says, I never knew you. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus knows us? And he tells us this. We read it in verse 20. By their fruits, you will know them. Jesus is looking for that fruit of someone who will do the will of God. God's not interested in what you do, but he's interested in your heart. He's interested in what's going on in here. He's interested to see the fruit, someone who does the will of God, someone who is longing to hear, God, what are you saying to me? God, how can I follow it? And this is the type of God, this is the God who says, even in 1 Samuel 15, we read this, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God isn't interested in what you appear to give up in front of others and some of the big things that could be seen by others. As he searches your heart, he searches to look for the fruit and this is this, this is the fruit. Are you doing the will of God? Are you being obedient to the voice of God? Listen, we're not always going to get it right. The last thing I'm speaking is a word of guilt upon anyone tonight, right? We're not always going to get it right. That's why there's a thing called grace, right? When you mess up, if you've heard me quote this before, Proverbs 24, 16, though the righteous may trip seven times, they get up again. Get up, receive his grace afresh in your life, but keep going. Keep going, but to obey is better than sacrifice. And this is what could so easily happen. While sometimes we can think that it's about saying a prayer and then coming to church on a Sunday just to make God happy or to appease him. What can so easily happen as well is that we think it's about saying a prayer and then doing sporadically these big things for God, the big things that we think are the right things to do that other people can see, like serving maybe in church or being part of something that other people can see. But actually to obey is better than sacrifice. Do you know what? Some of you since since you've been saved, you've given up some things for God. And there's been a sacrifice, that's great. But to obey is better than sacrifice. God is pleased with the sacrifices that you're making. It's not as if he's not pleased at all. He is. But God, God is hungry for your heart. Your heart to be fully given to him. Your heart to fully come after him. So this is what it means to obey is better than sacrifice. How do we obey the word of God and what he's speaking? And this, in essence, the, the Sermon on the Mount tells us, they, these are the words of Jesus. We looked at it last week. We sum it all up again, and Grant read this verse earlier, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And he said to them, this is what Jesus says it's all about. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus, this, this is the fruit that Jesus is looking for in our lives. This, this, this is what it's all about. This is what it means to be a believer. 
and a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to truly love. When we truly love God and we love people, can we say that we're a people that love God with all of our heart? Can we say that we're, we're a people that love others? See, that's the thing. We can so easily just that we think again that it's a focus of, right, well, then if I can serve in church or if I can give my tithe in the church and I can sacrifice in that way. And God, I've given up this for you, but actually I hate that person. There, there's no fruit of that. The fruit that God is looking for, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's that we, this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says this, love your enemies. Love even when you do not feel like doing it. That's the type of love that he has for us. That's the fruit that he's looking for in our lives. You see, because that's, that's the small unseen stuff. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount has been about. Jesus has said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. So the big things that people see. But I say, actually, I'm looking at your heart. Even if you even think a lustful thought about a person in your heart, it's just as bad as doing it. God's interested about what's going on in here what's going on in your heart. And so as we, as we go to wrap this up, one of the things I would just love to say is that regardless of what you're doing for God at the minute, regardless of what you're doing, it's brilliant that we have people serving in ministries and church. It's beautiful. Worship teams, prayer ministry teams, kids teams, we've staff, we've elders. Whatever it is you're doing for God, it's nothing if we're not doing this. This is what Jesus is calling us to be about. This is what it means to be a kingdom people. This is what it means for a vision statement that we want to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland, and the nations. But the good news of the kingdom of God, it's people that it's like this. This is what God is calling us to be, to give ourselves fully to. And tonight, I just feel that this, this could be in, th in three ways. We're going to finish just by reflecting on just one passage of scripture, and then the guys are going to lead us in worship. But I feel tonight could be three, for three different groups of people. I feel that, that for some people in the room who have never stepped into that relationship with Jesus, tonight I want to tell you that this does cost, but this is the best life you could ever have. When you give your life fully to Jesus, he takes your life and he leads you into the fullness of all that you could ever experience. I shared this with the kids and kids night and Friday, at the end of kids week, God wants to be almost like our coach. <laughs> Jesus is our coach. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us into the fullness of, to have the best life that we could ever experience is what he wants for you. And tonight, it could just be where you come and you just, God, I, I repent of my sin, but I'm giving myself to you and follow him. And tonight, I, I do feel even just that there's more prodigal stories. <laughs> that this is a moment actually for some of you who have been maybe far from God that you've just realized actually if this is what it's all about, man, I haven't been doing that for a while. God, it's been more of a duty than a love with you. God, I really struggle to love other people. I've grown cold. This is a moment actually just to, to recommit. And I feel actually for all of us, for many people in the room, this could be like an awakening moment on our souls again where it's almost like, Jesus, right, 
this is what we're committing to together. That we would be a people that would do this. That we would be a people that would truly love. We don't want to be deceived. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. So don't be deceived. Don't listen to every word that people say. Test, see what fruit is in their lives. But actually search your own heart. See what fruit you're demonstrating. How are you getting on with loving God? How are you getting on with loving people? What I would love us to do just as we finish as the band come. I would love us... Um, I love us just to read a well-known passage of Scripture. We're just going to read and meditate, and this is going to be on the screen. This, this type of love, thanks, William. Give me your lollipop. This, this type of love that, that Jesus is calling us to, the Bible actually tells us what it's like. And so what I would love you to do, just even as we read these words, this is in the passage translation of 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been at a lot of weddings lately, you've probably heard this read. What I would love you to do is just to reflect on these words. This is the type of love. This is what this love looks like. It would be great for you actually to sit with this passage each day this week and be reflect on it. God, is this the type of love I'm demonstrating in my heart? Is this the type of love that I'm showing to other people that I'm living into? It's hard, but this is why the path of life, it's hard sometimes. But it's worth everything to step onto. Let's read these words. And then I'm going to pray. We'll leave some space just to, for the two questions off the back of this, and I'll pray, and then the guys will lead us in worship. And then Grant can close us off. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Give us fresh eyes for this. God, while this is a familiar passage, give us fresh eyes. Eyes to see what you're saying. Paul says this, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I've never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Listen to these words. It refuses to be evil when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. 
When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. Listen to these last words in this final, verse, final line. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. I would love you to just take one minute, allow the Holy Spirit just to speak and ask us questions, specifically allow this is the response for you. Grant can call her another response maybe after worship, but this is how I would love you to respond. Just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Remember, we're just asking God, what is your will that you're making clear to me tonight? And then secondly, what am I going to do about it? So whatever you felt the Holy Spirit say, ask how are you going to bear fruit in that area in your life? How are you going to be a doer of the will of God? Jesus, thank you, you're our savior. Thank you, you're our teacher. Thank you that you're a friend. And thank you that it's fullness of life that you want for us. And that's why you, you speak these words to us tonight that we've just read. God, I pray, God, in our lives, God, would you give us discerning hearts and discerning spirits. God, help us not to be blown about, God, Lord, by every fancy word. But help us to be able to discern truth, God guard our hearts and minds in that way but God just help us not to be deceived in our own hearts as well and God above all else we just want to be a people that love God may we be a people that bear fruit and bear your fruit this life or this week God in our lives may that be what we're known as God as a people together a people that truly love Jesus this was your prayer you say this, by, by this all men will know that you love me, that you love one another. And yet, God, you've called us to look outside of ourselves as well and to love the world. And so we just ask you to lead us in that. God, help these words to ring in our ears. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Holy Spirit, just lead us in this. We, we worship you now even in these words. And God, may these just not be words just that we hear tonight, Jesus, you say. Just help us to put it into practice. Help us to follow you with all of our hearts, all of our lives. We love you. 
And we worship you right now. Let's stand and let's worship and then Grant will close in a little while. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.